2: Hey, Nicole.
1: Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It's been, it's been all right. I mean, I was, um, well, let me say, it has been a good week. We moved to Atlanta, as everybody knows, because they, they listened to last week's episode. I know that you listened to last week's episode. We moved to Atlanta. We are looking for a house. We thought we got one house. We lost the house and we got another house. So now we're closing our house rapidly quickly at the end of this month. So that has been the good in the week. But it's, you know, of course, it's been like juggling like we always do. I'm in Houston now instead of in Atlanta because I've been sort of doing this Houston-Atlanta shuffle to make sure that I'm taking care of the the obligations I have in Houston while I try to transition to the Atlanta area. So it's been, um, you know, sort of a hustle and bustle this week, but nothing bad. Harris is doing great. He's not sick anymore. so That's good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all is, all is good in in my, in my
2: family. So what about you, Janine? How's your week been? Well, hold on. One, I'm glad that Harrison is doing well. I'm glad he feels better. Did he get to go back to school yet? So he
1: went back to school. Then he had diarrhea at school and we had to get him from school. So he went back to school on Wednesday. So he had diarrhea. And so we went and got him from school. We said, we'll just keep him out the whole week. And he's going back to school Monday. So I think the antibiotics that he was on for his pneumonia, yeah, I mean, the antibiotics he was on for his pneumonia, I think it's what's called what caused the diarrhea. He doesn't have any diarrhea anymore. He didn't have diarrhea before he went to school, which is weird that he had diarrhea when he went to school. But, you know, kids are weird like that. So right now he's great. I mean, he fed me cookies via FaceTime today and yeah, he's doing good. So we're going to send him right back to school. But, you know, he doesn't like school, which is sort of he's like, I don't want to go to school Monday. And I'm like, why? I mean, I want you to like school, but
2: he doesn't like school like that. I don't know. That must be a thing. I don't know. I guess new schools for kids is a little bit daunting. I mean, I can't really recall. I feel like I'm 90 years old now, but I can't really recall going to a new school and not like knowing anyone. It kind of just feels like going into a strange place, I assume. But I hope that he likes it. Look, knowing that you and James are his parents, I'm sure that at some point he'll start liking school. I promise you.
1: Well, I hope so. I hope so. Because this baby, he ain't got no choice but to get in school. Be in school and like it. Okay? We've already, my mom was like, well, I mean, it's PK-3. He doesn't have to go to school this year. I'm like, oh, we paid tuition for the year. He has to go to school this year. Ain't no staying home with Granny Lisa. You have to go to school. Sorry, we paid. We It's not refundable.
2: I'm sure he's missing Granny Lisa during the day just as much as Granny Lisa is missing him during the day. So it'll take a bit of adjusting, but he'll be fine. I'm sure they'll both be fine. Miss, he's only going half days. By the time you drop him off
1: and run one errand, it's time to go pick him back up again. Oh. He'll get used to it. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, You know, all we can do is, is sit and wait, right? We'll bring him, take him to school on Monday. I'll hear about what happens Monday when he comes back home and hopefully everything is good. So other than that, everything else has been uneventful except for Harrison.
2: And you have a nice house now. I'm excited. I text you when you sent me the picture of your house. I text you and I was like, now this house looks more like you. You were like, huh? And I was like, you sent me back the question mark. And I'm like, now the other houses that you sent me were nice. Don't get me wrong. But they weren't as modern. And I know what your house in Houston looked like. So I was like, this looks more open and modern and airy, much more like your style. And I'm like, this is more Nicole. I could see you kind of in the other houses. But this one, I'm like, yep, that's Nicole. Do you feel like that? No, I mean, I like, so what I don't like on the
1: houses are the prices, right? I feel like I'm paying probably $200,000 more than I would have paid two years ago. I mean, and that's just the truth. Even accounting for inflation, like the market is still up a little bit more. So we now have to stay in it long enough to not be upside down, right? So if I don't like this job, I'm going to be real pissed. I don't like this job um, because I bought this expensive house. So that's what I don't like about it. I also don't like, I'm used to in Houston, I felt like when you walked in my house, or at least me, I felt like it was big. Like I walked in, I'm like, this feels big like I can go and talk in the living room and nobody hears me over over in the dining area like it's open but big enough for you to do your own thing this house is like more cozy and it's a a bigger house in terms of square footage but it is separated by three floors so I'm now getting used to have to get used to and adjust back to having a second floor a first floor and a basement whereas in Houston. You know, 5,000 square feet is just 5,000 square feet. It's all above ground. So your house feels so much bigger. And now in Georgia, it's like, nah, this spread out over three floors. You got to go downstairs to see how big the house really is. So I'm not used to that, but it's all good. I mean, it's livable for us. So
2: live in it. Girl, it's livable for probably y'all, me, Ken, and the whole family of podcast listeners. So don't let her fool y'all
1: it's a comfortable, modest home. So, all right, Jenny. So what's been going on in your super duper busy schedule this week?
2: <laughs> so this week I actually got a chance. Now it wasn't any less busy, but I actually took some time for some like self-care. So I went and got my nails done and I got a retie because my hair was looking mad crazy. Y'all know that I'm on this lock journey and it was looking like I was just like freeforming it for a while. And we can't be out here doing that. Now, no knocks to the people who have free-form locks. That's not what I'm saying. But for Janine, I like my locks to be well-maintained. And if anyone else has micro locks or sister locks or whatever you like to call them, you know, you can go a little while without having a retie. But going a month or two without a retie it's going to start looking bushy. That's just, I mean, if you have, have the kind of texture of hair that I have, it just looks bushy. It just looks like you have frizzy hair. So I was able to go get a retouch. Shout out to my loctician. And it was like something I had to do, but it was something that I was able to do for myself. So I was super excited. And then something that was super important that I got done this week is I got new glasses and new contacts because I was out here. Not able to see these street signs I was driving past. I was like, I had told Ken, I can't see. And he was like, what do you mean you can't see? Do you have your contacts in? And I was like, yeah, I have them in, but I really, I can't see. So I went to the eye doctor and shout out to Warren Parker. Baby, when I tell you that I needed an upgrade to my contacts and my glasses, I am not exaggerating. But now I can see. So I did take some time for self-care this week. Very important self-care so that I am safely driving these days?
1: Well, I'm glad that you can see. It's sort of dangerous that you've been driving (laughs) without really being able to see, Johnny. I mean, there's certain things I tell people, you know, things that are essential, depending on what you're doing. One, everybody got to breathe and blood has to be pumping, right? So you got to make sure your blood pressure control. You got to make sure you're breathing. But if you're driving, you got to make sure you can see. I mean, the other people that shouldn't be driving is like, if you don't have a right foot or a prosthetic or something to touch the pedals, right? You shouldn't be driving. You know, like you gotta be able to see, honey. So I'm glad you got your glasses because we don't want you wrecking on these streets. Let's let's run it back one. I I learned a lot by what you said about your locks. Listeners, did you hear it? Locktician. I didn't know that there was a specific stylist for the locks called a loctician. You know, that's like the mixologist, you know, loctician, get it right. So I've now learned about the loctician. And then you also said, I always thought people would get their locks twisted or relocked or something, but you called it something else when you get them freshened up. What was that?
2: What was that a term? Re-tie. So a re-tie. Yes. So you can get your locks twisted, right? But when your locks are very small, like mine are, Getting them retwisted like that can cause your hair to come out because you, of the tension that you're putting on your hair, right? So, the way that they retie my locks is they put a needle, kind of like a crocheting needle, at the bottom of my lock, and then they tie it, basically knot it into itself. So, the space in my hair that is not locked between my scalp and the last portion of the lock. It just they fill it in. So it's three point. My lactation uses three points. Some people use two, some people use four. But they just go in and essentially like tie my hair onto itself. So it is a nice good, like tight tie. So if you see the bottoms Ooh. of my locks, they're a little bit like thicker because it's not retied tight. But as this part grows out, it'll get thicker too. But yeah, it's a retie. So if you twist it and no and no knock to the people who get their their locks twisted, it's just when they're very little, it can cause a lot of like tension like you know some people have traction alopecia from twisting retwisting their locks and so that's why i get reties so that i don't have that just in case
1: oh, i like that is there a specific word because y'all know i like to wear weaves okay but Johnina and i are on the opposite ends of the spectrum she's completely natural she gets her hair locked now mind you i got hair under this weave i just don't like to do my hair okay so i get is it a Weavologist, what is it, Janine? What do they call the people that do weave?
2: I just call them my
1: hairstylist.
2: I don't know, I don't know. I don't, I guess, I think that there might be some. Well, I know that they have like weave bars where they do like quick weave for the people who just you know go in and want to have like a weave that doesn't take a long time, but I don't know what they're called. Maybe we have to, y'all, tell us a titian, maybe wee titian, it's a loctician, tissue? yeah, weave uh, extension tissue? and y'all nicole does have a head full of hair let me be very clear nicole has as much hair as she puts in with the weave so if i was nicole's lock, i mean nicole's weave titian i would be mad girl why you got me doing all this work when we could just do your hair
1: well my hairstylist never says anything she knows that i like my hair i like to wear this curly weave it's Convenient for me because I don't have to put any heat on my real hair, and I can spray and put mousse and styling gel and it, and blend my own hair. So that's what I like to do. Um, it's the people that braid my hair that be like, "Wait a minute, you got how much? <laughs> We're not trying to use this much. We don't fifty dollars. <laughs> I was
2: about to <laughs> because we didn't know you had this much hair. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah the hair braiders you that your braids can't be bad. small. Yeah, I would be mad too.
1: Well, you know, I like this as a protective style. Just like your locks are protective. My weave is protective. I embrace the weave, okay? But I do wear my natural hair out sometimes. But I'm telling you, natural hair takes, it takes work. Like people that do like twist outs and I mean, just a whole nighttime regimen. Oh, more power to you. I just don't. I don't have the time and the way my texture is mm -mm, no uh uh-uh even washing my hair is a feat like literally like every week I stretch it to a week and a half if I'm not if I don't have a sew in I stretch it to a week and a half and it's like uh I have anything to do let me like part my hair in sections comb out each section wash my hair in sections and then i'm like twisting it blow drying it in sections because it can get really tangled and so it is like a couple hours when people are like what are you doing now i'm like oh i can't go i'm washing my hair that is a real thing like i'm like i'm washing my hair it's gonna take me a couple of hours like not even a couple like maybe three or four to wash and blow dry my hair Mm -hmm. and that's without me like flat ironing and, and, and twisting it or anything just that's gonna take how long it is yes
2: I don't miss that.
1: We do have to have a whole show about black hair. I mean, we've been on, this is season three. We have not talked about black hair. We need to talk about black hair. I'm just throwing it out there.
2: I feel like we should do a series. We should do a series, maybe like three parts about black hair. You know, the struggles, the styles, and the what not to do. But yes, the the all the kinds of chemicals that we put in styles that we thought were cute. When you look back at the pictures and wonder like, why on earth was I thinking that this was I don't know why I did this but yes let's do it let's let's find some people and get them on and we can kumbaya about the struggles of black hair
1: all right Janine so what is on our timeline this week
2: I'm just gonna jump right into this so comedians Tiffany Haddish and Ari Spears are under fire let's be honest and I don't even really know how to feel about this cuz I don't know what's true what's not true but we're just going to tell the story. So the two comedians have been accused of child sexual abuse by Jane Doe and her younger brother John Doe. Now, in the lawsuit that was filed in LA just at the end of last month, you know, the two Jane and John Doe are accusing the two of some pretty serious accusations. So, in the suit Filed pro se, I think that's how you say it, but basically filed by them, like on their own, independent of a lawyer. Um, The siblings, both listed as anonymous um, because of the age during the time that the allegations took place, the siblings are alleging that Haddish and Spears recruited and coerced them into performing inappropriate and explicit skits. Now, the claim alleges that Jane Doe who was 14 at the time was taken to a taping of a sexually suggestive subway commercial by Haddish who allegedly then proceeded to show her how to perform, how to perform certain sexual acts all under the guise of helping her quote unquote television career. And this, And this, let me be clear, is Haddish saying that she was going to help Jane Doe's television career. So the lawsuit also alleges that Haddish and Spears filmed a sexually inappropriate video with Jane Doe's seven-year-old brother, John Doe, where Spears played a pedophile and Haddish played John Doe's mother. Now, initially, Haddish's attorney spoke on her behalf denying the claims he said that the accusations were a shakedown in quotes he cited that the plaintiff's mother had been trying to assert what he considered bogus claims for several years he also said that every attorney that she initially took the case to eventually dropped the case because the claims were meritless now Nicole, you and I both know that cases are dropped for a number of reasons. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are meritless. It can be dropped for financial reasons. It can be dropped for lack of evidence. It can be dropped for a number of things. Meritless is not the only reason, but that's how Haddish's attorney tried to make it seem, right? So since that statement from Haddish's attorney The aforementioned video that was originally posted on Funny or Die back in 2014, since removed in 2018, with the seven-year-old John Doe has resurfaced. While I have not seen the full unedited or uncensored video, what I have seen is enough for me to know that, joke or not, the video was unacceptable. So the fact that they were making light of pedophilia was disturbing enough, but to do so with an actual minor is beyond unacceptable. Like, I don't even think that I can think of a word to describe the emotions that I felt when I saw it. So I don't know that I can uh, verbalize how repulsed I was with the video. Now, it is supposed to be some sort of humor, but I just didn't see it. So since the video has resurfaced, Ari Spears spoke out about it on his podcast. And on his podcast, he said that he obviously, and I'm paraphrasing, he obviously can't speak about it for legal reasons. He thanked his listeners for their love and support. And he then went on to say that it, much like Tiffany Haddish's lawyer said, was a shakedown and that he didn't need his lawyers to tell him that it was a shakedown. He said that, It's bothering him that he can't talk about it because he feels like he has some very valid things to say about this situation. But because it's an ongoing legal situation, he's not able to say those those things. And he said that he is not a coward and he's not running from anything because he's not guilty of anything. And he said that he hasn't even turned off his social media mentions because he's not guilty of anything and he's. Taking this head on. Tiffany Haddish also responded in an IG post. And her tune was a little bit different. She says, I know that people have a bunch of questions. I get it. I'm right there with you. Unfortunately, because this is an ongoing legal case, there's very little that I can say right now. But clearly, while the sketch was intended to be comedic, it was not funny at all. And I deeply regret having agreed to act in it. I really look forward to being able to share a lot more about this situation as soon as I can. So while I do appreciate Tiffany's remorsefulness in comparison to the way that Ari Spears handle it, it's just, it feels like there's just something that isn't being said here. So the questions that I have are like, why did this even happen in the first place? With all the people between the actors, the writer, the producer, the, the camera people, the, like there are a lot of people that go into making these kinds of things, right? No one said, not one person in the room said that this wasn't okay. So I'm concerned. I'm concerned about why this happened. And as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I'm not really a fan of comedic censoring. But there are just certain things that should not as a comic or as a human should not just be considered open for comedy. And it's just what it is. Like there are certain things that you just don't joke about. Some of those things that are off limits, I would say are like, you know, people getting murdered, things that happen to people's mothers. Like there are certain things that you don't play with. And I think that we can all agree that making skits about pedophilia with children probably fits into that do not touch area. I don't know how how I feel about it. It's just, it's all so crazy. And I feel like I need much more information, but this, it's just not looking good. What do you think, Nicole? So
1: I looked at the skit, right? And I was thinking, what in the world? Were they even thinking about doing it? And I just think that I'm hoping that, one, the children didn't see the final skit. And two, I know that there's a way to edit these things, you know, edit the sound effects. And the kid didn't realize what he was doing. And hopefully the whole bathtub thing, hopefully the kid, he was edited into the bath. you know, like hopefully these were two different scenes that were sort of spliced on top of each other. I mean, there's a lot you can do with editing. And I'm hoping that all of this stuff was edited in, but it's still very distasteful because I know that the black screens that went across were edited out after the fact, right? Like what happened that they couldn't even show us on the YouTube post? I mean, nowadays, everything is shown, right? So it must've been something that was very risque for them to feel like they should not show it. And hopefully this was a whole bunch of editing that was done. And I'm hoping that's the explanation behind it. Hey, this was all edited content and not these children actually doing the things that they're doing in this video. Because like I say, these are big time comedians. You can edit videos to do whatever you want them to do now. I mean, if, if there are people that are edited, you know, literally having sex and they've never touched the person in their life. I mean, that's how good editing is now. So I'm hopefully, hoping that that is the case and hopefully that's the explanation. But the other piece, that sort of concerns me is, I mean, they didn't kidnap these kids and take them to sex. So somebody had to agree for these children to be in this video. So this parent that's now trying to file suit, was it that she did not know that this was a, a parody about uh, sexual misconduct and, 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 um, and pedophilia? Did she not know that? Did she not? Was she not told? Because it's hard for me to believe that you don't know what your children are doing and your children are gone for hours, right? Unless they literally kidnap the children, I'm assuming that the mother knew. And if you knew, you shut the stuff down there. Like if Harrison were in something, I don't, know, I don't care if it's somebody's wedding, I don't care if it's somebody's YouTube video, he gonna come on the pregnancy pearl. What is it about? Send me what it's about and I'm going to be present when it's going down, right? And if I don't like something that's happening to my child, guess what? I'm removing my child from the situation, and then I'll sue you. But, you know, letting the filming continue, that's the thing that sort of confuses me. Like, did did the mom just not know? Like, how did that even happen? That's the same issue I had with R. Kelly and those girls. Now, I know know we're flipping it all the way to R. Kelly, but like, it's because it's a parody about pedophilia, and they were playing R Kelly song in the background, and it automatically made me think of it, but those parents, although he is guilty, they have they play a role in that you know they're not off the hook completely with that. You let your children be a part of something that they had no business being a part of, and so everybody always wants to point the finger at the other person, but you have to realize that there are other people that are players in this situation and the parents being one of them.
2: I'm going to get to what you said. I agree with you 100%. So I'm going to get to the parents in a second. The first defense that I can kind of see or feel in this video is, you know, the the words that go across the screen say, be careful who you leave your children with, right? So it's almost like they're trying to film a, a comedic PSA of sorts. basically say be careful who you leave your children with which is a very real thing right we all know that pedophilia is real as much as we dislike it and hate it and it's illegal it's real and in the black community we also know that we don't talk about it often right like we know that there's somebody in your family that's inappropriate or likes to talk to little girls or you know uncle so-and-so so So i got the, the the concept of the video it's the execution, right? So I can't speak to the actual intention of the video, but it seemed that it could have in someone's mind been trying to convey a very real message that should have been conveyed. But the intentions are very different than this execution of this, right? So let me say this, it's rough being a comedian, right? I couldn't be a comedian and it takes a special kind of person to be a comedian. Now, The content though of a comedian's set or or display videos or skits is really what separates the boys from the men, right? It's really what separates the good comedians from the mediocre comedians. Everybody can be funny, but like, is it really funny? Do you have real content? Do you know how to deliver it? And this tells me that this, this isn't funny. Like you don't really know what you're doing and you don't know where to draw the line. So I think that the intentions might have been, I don't want to say pure because there's no way, but like the intentions might have been better than what this execution was. Right. There are ways to do these kinds of things with people that look like children without it being children. They do it in pornography all the time. Right. They find someone who looks super young and make it seem like, hey, you know, this is a child but it's not, they're over the age of 18. And if you really wanted to do this, you did not have to use a minor. So that's, that's my first thing, right? To go back to intention. I think that we think that when people have bad intentions, that's when bad things happen. But you can have the best of intentions and bad things still happen. You don't have to have bad intentions for bad things to happen, just like you don't have to be a bad person for bad things to happen. But this is awful. Like watching the video, it's cringy. It makes you uncomfortable. And if you can watch this video and not feel some sort of level of discomfort, please seek help. It's uncomfortable. It's weird. It's I mean, it's just you really think that like what is going on here? Right. But I want to say this. I'm not saying that Tiffany Haddish or Ari Spears are bad people because I don't know them personally, right? I can't speak to the kind of people that they are. I can't say that they're bad people. I can't say that they're good people, but I can say that great people make terrible decisions. And it seems that two people, I can't, like I said, I can't speak to who they are, made a really poor decision. And now it's coming to light seven years later that they filmed this inappropriate video let me go back to the parents like you were saying so the mother i don't know what kind of situation it says that you know in some of the articles that i read it said that basically tiffany haddish kind of looked at these two minors as like niece and nephew right they called her aunt blah 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 blah. so it seems that the mother probably had a close relationship with uh, tiffany haddish based on the articles that i've read But I have to say this, Nicole, I am right there with you. Like I said, I don't have chicken or child, but I will say if I had a child, especially with everything that's going on in this world, I would be very, very, very concerned about who had my kid, what my child was doing, why they were doing it, and what does this mean and how could it potentially impact my child in the future? I. Have a problem with parents who are willing to sacrifice their child's well-being for the opportunity of stardom? It's just, it's, it's problematic to me. How many times have we seen this story? Right? We've seen allegation after allegation. We've seen allegations with Michael Jackson. We've seen allegations with um a- allegations and prosecution with R. Kelly. We are now seeing allegations with more and more people. People do not have the purest of intentions all the time, and sometimes. Even when they do have the purest of intentions, it doesn't necessarily pan out well for the child. In this particular situation, no one wins. No one wins. Everybody loses. But you know who loses the most? The children. And you know whose responsibility is to protect your children? The parents. Not Tiffany Haddish. Not Ari Spears. Now, does it completely absolve them of all responsibility? No, it does not. But what I it, but it it doesn't mean that the parents don't have responsibility cuz ultimately it's the parents responsibility to keep their children safe and protected and to make sure that they're able to grow up without these sorts of traumas to the best of their ability. And in this particular situation, I don't feel like the mother cuz I don't we didn't hear mention of a father, but I don't feel like the mother did that. I feel like the mother was like, "Oh, my children know someone famous, they could be on TV and here you go. Well, guess what? You hand your children over to an adult that you may or may not know very well and you don't monitor everything that's happening. These are the kinds of situations that you end up with.
1: Well, I'll say this. Sometimes you do know them very well. You really have to be careful of anybody you have around your children and you need to check in, especially if your children can't talk. You need to check in with your children frequently to know what exactly did you do when you were around X, Y, and Z person. And I would say, even if you are, you know, I would have that person around my child when I was there to make sure I feel comfortable with how they're looking at my child, with how they're handling my child, before I would ask anybody to watch watch my child. Now, I'm very blessed that I have Grant and Lisa, who is my mother. Keeping my child, but I know everybody doesn't have that. So you have to you have to do your you know do your background checks, make sure you know who you're dealing with, and check in with your children frequently before you leave them with somebody. But you are absolutely right. Everything ultimately falls back on the parents. Now, one thing I will say: the fourteen year old. Where did the fourteen year old come in? This I know you said that Tiffany Haddish was teaching her or showing her how to do some type of you know sexual acts. But that wasn't in the parody that I saw. Is that something totally different?
2: Yeah. So apparently there's another video. It was, it was supposed to be a commercial shoot from my understanding, based on the articles that I've read that there was a commercial shoot, um, that was sexually suggestive that the 14 year old was in Uh, that video has not surfaced to my knowledge. Now, by the time this podcast comes out, it might have surfaced and then we'll share, um, and we we will share with discretion because it, again if it's anywhere near as disturbing as this video that we're referring to i don't know how much we'll be able to share but apparently there was two sets of videos one with the 14 year old and one with the 7 year old it's quite disturbing so i you know i don't know what we're going to share but yeah there apparently there's another video and to your point nicole Checking in with your kids is really important, but for those people who have kids that they want to be models or actors or actresses or rappers or singers or anything that could potentially launch them into, you know, stardom, let me say this. Even if your children come back and say, I did A, B, and C, right? Like I made this song and it seems very pure. Before the product is released and before it is made public, Check to see how your child is being portrayed because we can go back to the R. Kelly days. If you check in before the song is released, you'll know that song is too sexually suggestive for my child, right? Or if you check in before the video is released, you'll realize that that video is too sexually suggestive for my child. I would have rather this video have happened and the mother said, This can't be released. I'm not giving permission for my child to be in said video because the one thing that I do know, having been in entertainment for over 20 years, is that when you utilize minors, there is a release form that parents have to sign for you to legally release their child's likeness. So at some point, you signed a release form for your child to be in said video. That is on you as a parent. And again, not taking away any blame from the, the producers, from the the comedians, I'm not taking away any blame from anybody else. But what I am going to say is you are the one that is responsible for your child's well-being. No one else. I completely
1: agree with that. All right, Janine. So are we ready to talk through some of these good intent scenarios? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Our first letter reads... Nicole and Janine, a friend of mine, is currently stationed overseas in the military. Just before he left, he got married to another girl I knew from high school. When he got back to the States, they planned to move to Louisiana where he would be stationed. I recently caught her coming out of my apartment complex, holding hands with a neighbor. She didn't see me and I didn't say anything for a few weeks until I started seeing her car parked in our parking lot a lot overnight many times i told my friend about the situation sadly i had to tell him over facebook messenger since he was overseas they are now separated and filing for divorce when he gets back he and i are still friends but it's not the same the bad part is that his now ex-wife filed a report against me for stalking that i now have to deal with legally should i have just minded my own business although i had good intentions Signed, melissa
2: okay, Melissa, I have a very hard, strong rule about this, right? Mind your business. And look, while I am the type of person that would love to have my friends tell me if my man is cheating, I am also very well aware that most people can't handle that kind of information. And it often comes back to bite you in the tail because it comes off one of two ways, right? It either comes off, if, if you're if you're real down with your friend, right You down and you know, and it's your, your ace Boon coon and your best friend. I can tell my best friend if her girl is cheating on her, right? If her girl is cheating, I'm taking a picture, having a video. And here's the proof. Here is the proof that you need that your girl is cheating. Now, what you do with this information is a hundred percent on you. I'm not going to sway you one way or the other. You can stay with your cheating girl, or you can decide to kick your girl to the curb. It's up to you. I'm just going to give you the information that I have and keep it moving. Now, if it is not my best friend, I'm not going to say anything because like I said, one of two things will happen. They'll either say, oh, you're telling me this because you're jealous or they get mad at you because they already know that they're being cheated on and they're mad because now you also know that they're being cheated on. So there's no winning mind your business. You should have just left it alone. If you don't know how your friends will react and you have not had those conversations with your friends, because I have those conversations with my friends. It, girl, if your man or your woman is cheating on you, do you want me to say something or do you want me to pretend like I can't see it? And if your friends are the kind of friends who want to say something, then you can tell them, look, girl, you told me that you wanted me to say something. Now, if they're not, then turn the other way and act like you didn't see it. Like, let's be honest. Most of us know when our significant other is cheating. And the embarrassment is what causes the reaction. You can't really fix the situation now, but like maybe next time, just don't say nothing. Because it's not really a business and you don't know what's going on in this people's household. Just mind your business and pray that your significant other's not cheating on you. what you say, Nicole?
1: So, we're going to agree or disagree here. Because um, I think that friends tell friends the truth. And my friends tell me the truth. If Ken cheat on you, guess what? you going to know the truth. Because I am not going to... You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? Your friend finds out the guy was cheating on you. Then they get mad because you didn't tell me. You knew you got mad because you didn't tell me. Especially if that person saw you and they know you know, right? Now it's like, well, shoot, I know. How long am I gonna wait? You know, I might tell that person. You better tell her before I tell her. But I'm not going to hold that and know that my friend is getting hurt. Could be exposed to sexually transmitted diseases. All kinds of things. I'm not in good conscience going to allow my friend to be cheated on. Me know it and have proof of it, and not say something. I could see if I didn't quite knew. No, right? Like if I see the car and I'm like, I don't know if they're going to a homeboy's house or if they're going to somebody else's house and they're cheating. That's a little different. Like I'm not going to stalk your man to figure out what's going on with your man. That's your man. But if I see a man hugged up with somebody, I'm going to have to say, okay, listen, girl, he was hugged up, kissed up with this girl. She went to the apartment. She'd been there several nights in a row. He cheating. I am the person that's going to tell you because if you don't like me after that, at least I can live with myself because I was honest and I told the truth. I'm not going to allow you to get used and reused. Like you decide to stay with him. That's on you. You decide to stay with him. You like it. I love it. But, and then after that, I'm not telling you nothing, no, nothing else, but initially I'm going to let you know. And if, because if I didn't and you find out, then you're going to be mad at me anyway. So that's how I feel. I'm going to tell you. And I think that this friend in this situation, this girl, big balls, I have the nerve to cheat with somebody that lived in the same apartment complex. She just dumb. So of course I'm going to tell, and I don't know if I would have told while he was overseas, that's a little bit, you know, distracting when you're trying to shoot up some enemy and you're thinking about your wife sleeping with somebody in the apartment complex. I mean, that's a little distracting. So I probably wouldn't have told at that time because I don't think that's the perfect time when somebody's under stress. But should you tell? Yes, you should tell. It is what it is. I mean, she has no proof of stalking. you That's a frivolous case that's going to get tossed off. So I wouldn't even worry about that. I'm like, oh, you want to come for me legally for, for stalking? Why? Because I told your husband you were cheating? Okay, you have no other proof of anything else except for I told your husband that you were cheating. There's no pictures of you hung up in my apartment or anything. I'm not following you around. You have you have no pictures of me following you around. So that's going to get tossed out. She's just trying to, to bark. She's barking up the wrong tree, though. She's mad. She's big mad. And when people get mad, they want to blame somebody else. That's all that is. I would continue to be friends with your friend if you can uh, mend that relationship. It sounds like y'all are still good. He's just obviously going through some things. It's not the same because he's not the same. He's going through a divorce. So I would be there to support my friend, but I wouldn't worry about this whole stalking case. I wouldn't worry about it.
2: I agree, Nicole. I'm not, I wouldn't worry about the stalking case, but I've been here before and while I had the best intentions of telling my friend that friend at the time I will say that their man was cheating on them she told me and I remember it like it was yesterday she told me you think I don't know so it was I I already know the information you're telling me I don't want you to know that the information that you're telling me and now I'm mad at you because now you know and now I'm embarrassed and While I understand, because embarrassment is worse than the actual action, right? Like you, you don't really care if everybody don't know, because now it's like a, a minor infraction rather than it being a major embarrassment. But I don't know. I think that that one situation has, has me being like, you know what? Now I'm, I'm being honest when I say I've had real conversations with my friends. If I see your significant other cheating on you, do you want me to say something? And if the ones who don't want me to say anything, th- girl, they may could be swinging from the chandeliers in somebody else's house and I will act like I don't know, okay? The ones who I genuinely believe want me to say something, I will say it, but I'm, it's, that's how you get caught up in somebody else's mess that you don't want to be caught up in. And Nicole, I will tell you if James is out here cheating on you, right? But that's because I know that you can handle it. Everybody can't handle it. Like when people say they can't handle the truth, you might have the best intentions. But because somebody else is not prepared to handle the information you're giving them, there's nothing you can do. And why lose a friend because they man is cheating?
1: Well, I'll say this. That friend is not mad at you. You can't get mad at me because I'm telling you the truth. You mad at your situation. You mad at you you looking silly. You mad at your man because he got you out here looking silly. Don't get mad at me because I know the truth. I'm your friend. You should have told me the truth anyway. Because now, if you know he's cheating, I'm going to help you get your swerve on. Let's go find you somebody. If you like it and you stay in that situation or if you have an open relationship, because people do that kind of thing now, then that's fine, girl. Let me know so I can hook you up. Let's make sure you're protecting yourself so so you won't really be out here silly. If you're like, I'm staying with him because the money is good and I'm comfortable, that's fine. But don't get mad at me because he got you out here looking silly and he's doing something that you don't agree to, but you're silly enough to stay. That's not me. You being mad at me. That's you being mad at yourself. you mad at yourself because you don't have the balls to leave this man or you don't have the balls to cheat back. One of the two. So don't get mad at me because your situation jacked up. That's crazy when people get mad. You mad at me because I'm telling the truth. Houseway, be mad at your man. He don't want cheating, sticking and jabbing and all kinds of stuff in other people. That's not me. That's him. So uh, I do think that sometimes you have people in your life for a season and sometimes you have them in there for a lifetime. So some people that you may think are your friends Or they're temporarily for something. They were there to help you get through something. They were there for you to help you achieve something. Or maybe you're there to help them do the same, do the same thing. But they're not real friends, okay? So if they're not real friends, I am. You can be honest with a real friend, and a real friend will respect your honesty. You can be honest and have a conversation with a real friend and that still will be your friend. You can have a misunderstanding and an argument with a real friend and you can come around and say, you know what? I didn't mean that. This is what I meant. And this is why I meant it. You are supposed to be able to communicate with your real friends. The rest of them are just passersby. They're there for a season. So let them go and move on. And you will get other people that come in your life for a season. And you let them go and you move on. And along the way, you might meet people that are stay in your life for several seasons or for a lifetime. And you thank God for them. But thank God for the people that came in your life for a season to help you get through a little bit. And that's okay,
2: too. So, Janine, what is your letter read? So, this one says, hi, ladies. I love the podcast. My friend put me onto it while we were on a road trip moving her across the country last year. I'm almost caught up. I just listened to... The dating pool has piss in it. So let me tell you why I'm writing in. I work as a VP of DEI for a bank. As such, I influence some of the hiring. I recently hired a young man based on the recommendation of one of my mentors. Let me clarify that my mentor asked me for a favor, so I hired the young man. The young man looked good on paper but didn't have an extensive work history. I hired him for an entry level position and figured what harm could it do. And I wanted to help a young black man out and I wanted to do my mentor a favor. They say the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions. Since he started, he has been doing his job and well, might I add, he just can't get along with others. It seems he has a very contentious spirit. He is constantly arguing with his coworkers and his supervisor says he produces but he's quarrelsome. She asked for him to be relocated to a different department. I really wanted to help this young man because he seems really bright. More so, as I said, I wanted to do a favor for my mentor. But it seems that it's coming back to bite me. How can I tell my mentor that while I had every intention of helping this young man grow in his career, it's probably not gonna work out at my place of business? I don't want her to think that I didn't try. And I know that you two are businesswomen, so I wanna know what you would do. Signed, Eugenia. Well, first of all, I would talk to my mentor first, right? You don't wanna piss people
1: off you don't want to burn a bridge there. So you want to make sure you open lines of communication, right? So if he's doing his job and he's not getting along with people, I would let her know, hey, you may want to have a uh, conversation with him because he's not getting along with people. So that means he has a lot of complaints and he may lose his job if he has too many complaints. So I would start there by respecting and talking to my mentor and being out front about what is going on. Okay, I would do that before you're at the point where that you're firing this guy, right? You want to make sure she knows well ahead of time. But let me say secondly, if he's doing his job but not getting along with people, that to me is not grounds for firing. So, is he unprofessional and not getting along with people? Help me figure out why we have to get along with people to do our job. Like help me figure out why everybody has to like me to for me to be at my job. Because for me, you don't have to like me. I'm doing my job and I'm cordial and I'm professional. So I don't have to be over here walking in the door with roses blowing bubbles every day. So I I need a little bit more context about how exactly he's not getting along. And I say that because if you're over diversity, equity and inclusion, you know that sometimes black and brown people don't fit into the culture or the stereotypes that we are supposed to be in or the expected behavior we have just because. We don't act a certain way. So I have a problem when people say you're doing your job, but he's not getting along with people. So we might have to let him go. Why? On what grounds? You better get yourself sued. So tell me exactly what he's doing that makes him not be able to perform the duties. And why are you firing somebody just because somebody's complaining about not getting along? There should be some remedial steps in there. Let's have a conversation and say, what is the problem here? Why are we not getting along here? Because it may not be that he's not getting along with everybody. It may be that he is feeling attacked by the culture of the institution. So I would want to talk to my mentor. Then I would talk to him and I would try to figure out how he's doing at the job. And then I would have a conversation and try to mediate the relationships there. Especially if he's doing his job, but I have a real hard I have a hard time when somebody black and brown comes into a Caucasian situation and they're not fitting in quote unquote I don't like that that's discriminatory, and that is how a lot of majority cultures drive out minorities. I'm just saying I'm not saying that's your situation, but when I hear he's fulfilling his job, but he's not getting along, and so we might have to let him go that is a trigger for me. So I need to make sure I know what exactly what exactly is he doing to not have his
2: job? I think that you and I are on the same page with this one, Nicole. And I think that, Eugenia, to me, quarrelsome seems like one of those like PC words for saying that we, don't, we just don't like his personality. And I'm with Nicole. You don't have to like my personality, right? You, we're not about to be best friends. We don't need to kumbaya. What we need to do is produce, right? And, I would look into why he's not fitting into the culture and try to adjust that before you are now intending to fix another problem and making a worse problem. Right? So the intention of helping your mentor, I don't think has much to do with this, right? If he is producing and you said he's doing his job and you said, well, you added that, right? You said he's doing his job. Well, what is the complaint? Is it a personality issue Is it a culture issue? Is he just not fitting into the culture? Well, have some sort of course or class or one-on-one with him to help him acclimate to the culture if it needs to be had, right? Maybe the culture needs to be changed. We all are very well aware that a lot of workplace culture is steadily evolving based on some of these kinds of situations where someone has been deemed quarrelsome, right? Or someone has been deemed unable to get along with their coworkers. Well, maybe it's because their coworkers are being exclusionary. Maybe because there's a there are a number of reasons why people are not able to get along with their coworkers. But also, as Nicole said, as someone that is high up in the DEI space, let's be very clear that oftentimes there are hurdles and boundaries that we have to overcome that our Caucasian counterparts do not. So I would be very careful, Eugenia, before you get to the point of letting this man go, that your intentions of fixing his supervisor's problem do not then become a larger company issue because you are being sued because you discriminated against this one specific young man. And I get it for all of those HR professionals and DEI professionals. There are clauses that go into contracts and, agreements and employee agreements that say that, you know, most places are at will states, which means that you can just decide that someone does not work for your company culture and you can part ways with them. Right. I'm aware of that, but I'm also aware that they can also turn around and sue you because you dismiss them without cause. Now, be very, very careful. That's all I'm saying. If he's doing his job and doing it well, why don't we fix the problem? The problem is him not being able to get along with his coworkers. And I'm not saying he's the problem. I'm saying him not being able to get along with his coworkers is the problem. So you might need to fix the coworkers and you might need to fix him, but fix the problem before you just decide to part ways. That's probably best because you don't want to go down a road that you you don't want to ring a bell. You can't unring. And it seems that the the issue isn't his work. The issue is him fitting into the culture.
1: What you see it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't know why this that, that I don't know why this has me so worked up, because I just feel like especially in medicine, there are so many black and brown doctors that have been ostracized from the practice of medicine. Suspended, let go, uh, fired, that are intelligent people, but they don't, they're not a good fit, quote unquote. That kind of thing really triggers me. I can't stand that. And the fact that somebody over DEI says that and is not John, the whole point of a DEI officer is to make sure that black and brown people know how to navigate the system. Know how to be integrated into the system and to make sure that those that are of the majority are culturally aware of everything going on around them and of the people they're bringing into the system. So that, I don't know, that disturbs me that you have somebody that's in DEI that doesn't know that their job is to, you know, mediate this situation and actually be the advocate for that black and brown person doing their job. So, I don't know. I'm a little. I'm a little ticked off with that, but that's okay. We can move on. I'm
2: just just pisses
1: me off just a little bit, just a tiny bit. What did you learn new
2: this week? So, since we're talking about intentions, people often talk about being intentional, right? And what does that mean? So, being intentional is essentially that the work that you do on yourself, so that you have a clear purpose and that you're intentional about taking action on your thoughts and your feelings and that you are the most important priority to yourself. So it's also about living your life the way you want to live it rather than allowing people and or circumstances to dictate your feelings and your actions. So a few ways for you to live an intentional life. And I got this um, balance through simplicity. It's a website. So go check it out if you haven't seen it. And this is a few ways they gave 14, but I'm not going to give that many. I'm just going to give a few. So. One of them is self-care and self-reflection. Another is investing your time wisely. So really being intentional about what you spend your time on. Another is being aware of your mental health, developing healthy habits, strengthening important relationships, planning, preparing, decluttering, and organizing your life. Consuming social media mindfully. And that's important because social media can really get in your head. So, consuming social media mindfully. And the last one that I thought was super important is cultivating a positive mindset. So, you know, if you live life intentionally, it's very hard to have your intentions be misunderstood. So, live your life in an intentional manner. What did you learn this week, Nicole?
1: So um, I love all that you learned, new, and I think that you learned enough for both of us this week. But what I did learn was about the Bill Cosby skit. So Tiffany Haddish and Aerie Spears were really on something. Aerie Spears was in this skit as Bill Cosby, acting as if he was seducing and drugging these girls, you know, in this, uh, in this skit. And this came out shortly after all the Bill Cosby allegations around the trial and everything like that. And I will say it's hilarious, (laughs) but it's hilarious because we're talking about Cosby and their adults, you know, that he's poisoning. And it's it's also right after the skit with the child molestation parody. So it was like that went straight into this Bill Cosby parody. I was like, oh, this is just too much. Like first the babies, now the women, all oh right, like what's next? But the Bill Cosby one was, I mean, it was, it was funny. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to laugh at it's funny. It's funny. But yes, that's where I learned it this week, that there was actually a Bill Cosby parody.
2: Yeah. I feel more comfortable laughing at something that's already been tried and, you know, he's already served his time for But even then, I just feel like that particular skit, I I don't know. I feel like I want Ari Spears and Tiffany Haddish to find something else to make jokes about other than sexual impropriety.
1: That's it. That's all. That's real. All right, Janine. Are you ready for the motivational moment this week? Yes, ma'am. All right. And it reads, this is from me. I said, Ladies, don't let good intentions be an excuse for piss-poor decisions. Stop and think through the consequences before you act. We all make mistakes, but as you mature, hopefully your wisdom will guide your actions. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, that's deep. Black women conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, that's deep. Black women conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, that's deep. Black women conversations on IG at Oh, that's deep bwc oh that's deep black women
0: conversations is a mean old lion media production you've worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement